Well, here we are following Easter. And it's always great to enjoy Easter with fellow Christians. But we're back to Joshua chapter 10. And where we left off a couple, three weeks ago, we, we left off with Joshua praying in front of the entire nation of Israel. Sun, stand still. And moon, also. So the sun stood still. Now we know the earth actually stopped its orbit. But the writers of scripture many times will write to the reader, us, in a way, in a method of our understanding. God did not say to Joshua, until you get your cosmology correct and worked out, I can't answer your prayer. No, our gracious Lord, our gracious God, many times answers the intent of our prayer. And sometimes we don't even know what we're asking for. God knows our needs, and I'm so glad of that. And he knows our needs before we even ask. The key to answered prayer lies in being consistent. Knock, keep knocking, ask, keep asking. And we're to ask believing. James talks to us about that. Knowing that God hears us. But this long day that we recorded in Joshua 10, it's been verified by other cultures around the world. In Central America, the native Indians there recorded how the sun stood on the horizon for a full day without rising. But God answered the prayer of Joshua so that Joshua and his army could destroy the five kings who attacked Gibeon. And God not only stopped time for a full day, but he rained down hailstones on Israel's enemy, and God killed more with hailstones than Israel's army killed with the sword. And for the next several chapters in Joshua here, like 10, 11, 12, and 13, we hear how Israel destroyed all of these pagan cultures who occupied the land that God had promised Israel. Let me read a few verses of chapter 10 that illustrate how God fought for Israel against these evil sinful pagan tribes of Canaan. Joshua 10, 38 through 43. Then Joshua returned and all of Israel with him to Debir, and they fought against it. And he took it and its kings and all its cities, and they struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining as he had done to Hebron's, so he did to Debir and its kings, as he had done also to Libna and its kings. So Joshua conquered all the land. 
the mountain country and the south and the lowlands and the wilderness slopes and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea as far as Gaza and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. All these kings and all the land Joshua took at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all of Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Quite an event. Today we live in what we call the age or the dispensation of grace. And we should be extremely thankful for that. When God shows tremendous mercy to the nations around the world, nations that really have never known him, God is still merciful and gracious to them. So in our modern day thinking, we can become skewed in our thinking, and our thinking can be contrary to God. Because the modern-day way of thinking, and many philosophers of today, they read the Old Testament, and they come to the conclusion that God is a tyrant. Allow me to say, God is not willing that any should perish. Jesus, Jesus stated that he came to seek and to save the lost. God has showed tremendous compassion towards mankind with the sufferings of Jesus upon the cross, giving mankind the opportunity to come to a saving knowledge in Christ. But many of men's reactions to God's grace has become indifferent. Many believe they deserve grace. We're entitled to grace. In popular humanistic thinking, man is basically good. God said there's none righteous, no, not one. But, you know, man thinks we're good. And many people who call themselves a Christian do not realize their desperate need of a Savior or their desperate need of grace. As a society, we have, we've come full circle in our acceptance of sin. It's popular to think that two people of the same sex, because they love each other, should be able to get married. And unfortunately, abortion has become a method of birth control. Sexual promiscuity in the Christian church is so rampant that there is basically no difference between believers and non-believers who live together before they get married. It's the same in the church as in the world. So modern-day thinking, we're startled. We're taken back when they read that God destroyed all these pagan cultures 
that practice extremely evil sins. They were involved in human sacrifices. These cultish people of Canaan were extremely evil. And God uses Joshua and the army of Israel to destroy them. And yet people say, how barbaric, how mean, how cruel. Consider this. If the civilized world is terrorized or frightened by Muslim radicals who murder people, and they do it through mass bombings or taking an AK-47 into a crowded theater and killing scores of people, we have terrorists right now who delight and take pleasure in beheading Christians. And they do this wherever they can. Understand how these cultures of terrorists Think how they offend the true and living God by murder. Murder is the most grievous sin that a person can commit against God because you're killing God's creation. You're killing that person that God created to serve him. And the God of yesterday, he's the same today. Only we live in a different time, a different time of grace. God gave all these pagan nations that occupied Canaan years, centuries actually, to repent. He gave them 400 years at least that Israel was in Egypt. And finally, Israel destroys them with the edge of the sword and these pagan nations were not only enemies of Israel, but they are enemies of God. The conquest of the promised land was violent, no question about it. And these nations, these who occupied Canaan, were the most violent, murderous type people. And if you could make a comparison, they compare to ISIS of today. These nations in Canaan practiced, it was a regular ritual to offer their infant babies in the fire of Ashtoreth. They would heat up this little ceramic god with outstretched arms, heat him up, get him red hot, and lay their baby in the arms of Ashtoreth. And they followed their God. And that's with the little G, by the way. But Jesus had something to say about these people. He described the religious leaders of his day. He described the Pharisees. And he did it in John eight forty four. Let me read you one verse. You are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, 
for he is a liar and the father of it. Can you say, ouch? (laughs) This is Jesus talking to the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. What a commentary by our Lord upon liars and murderers. They are not misguided people. They're not simply lacking understanding. No, they are of their father, the devil. Pretty straightforward. Peter in his epistle, epistle, 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter, he's straightforward with us. He declares the Christian's adversary, the Christian's opponent, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking victims, seeking those to murder and to kill any that oppose him. And today that is played out in acts of terrorism. We have bombings in public places like airports. We have mass killings at elementary schools. We have automatic weapons being used in any crowded place, like a theater. These followers of Satan seeking to murder any person or groups of person that they can, and that's their bottom line. For their father is none other than the devil. Sometimes we don't realize or comprehend that we are in a battle. We are in a fight. There is a war that wages evil against good, Satan against God, and many times we're right in the middle of the Colosseum of that battleground. So when God brings Israel into the promised land, he instructs Joshua to kill these murderous people and do not coexist with them. And many people find that extremely offensive that God would say, do this. In war, killing happen. Joshua is instructed to kill these enemies of God, these who follow their father, the devil. There is a big difference, however, between killing and murder. Terrorism is the murdering of people. Even people who agree with you and believe the same way you are victims of being murdered. And we as Christians, we hear how our God was so vicious in the Old Testament that he destroyed entire nations. Understand, know this, my Christian friends, only God can look at a group of people and declare there is no hope for them whatsoever. 
These people will not repent. They will never turn from their sin. And that be a righteous and just statement by God himself. Our God knows the beginning from the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. But consider this. Take note. (laughs) This is uh, something I think we should all think about. Today in the Muslim world, there are record numbers of Muslims, even radical Muslims, who are turning to the living God because God has given them dreams of Jesus Christ. A great phenomenon going on. And there is testimony after testimony of these who have oppressed, are not only oppressed Christian, but they have opposed the living God. And now they're turning to God because of dreams given to them about Jesus. There was one man captured by ISIS along with some other Christians, and he was not a Christian. And when he observed how the Christians were willing to die for their faith, he told his captors, kill me too. I want to be numbered with the Christians. He saw reality in the Christians willing to die. There was one ISIS executioner. And he says, I delighted in my job. I enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed beheading Christians. And he had a miraculous turnaround in his belief after encountering Jesus. The only hope of mankind lies in Jesus Christ. He is the only hope we have. So how do we guard our heart? What do we do to not get caught up into hating these terrorists? When we hear of murders and random killings, senseless acts of terrorism, If you're like me, you grieve over that. It hurts. I see families torn apart because a member of the family has been killed. Innocent lives taken away, snatched away by some suicide bomber. And as we witness, as we see the world ramping up into this uh, terrorist activity, we see more and more violence, and we, we see it in Europe. And we see it here in the United States. Don't be tempted to hate. Don't be one that calls for vengeance. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. But understand and know this. Murder grieves the heart of our Lord Jesus more than it grieves us. For we're his creation. All of humanity is his creation. We're created in his image. And murder happens to be the most heinous of all crimes and sin. 
In the Mosaic sacrificial system, there was no sacrifice for murder. You could not go and give a lamb or doves or whatever and be atoned for your sin of murder. When David killed Uriah or had Uriah killed, God sent Nathan the prophet to him to tell him, David, you've been forgiven. Otherwise, David would have lived with the guilt of that because there was no sacrifice for murder. But our Lord Jesus, full of mercy and grace, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In our world, as we watch it, and it's growing more and more violent all the time, more murderous. So what do we do as Christians? What do we do as disciples of Christ? Well, we're told what to do. We're told to be a light in a dark place. We're told to be salty. What does being salty mean? It means causing a thirst for Jesus Christ to those around us. That's being salty. You cause others to thirst for Christ. Our Lord Jesus saved us. He has granted us salvation. And he would that all come to know him. All come to him as Savior. And he gave us a response. He gave us purpose in Luke 19.10. And he told us why he came. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. I think it's important that we be very careful not to desire or even pray for our Lord God to act out of character towards others. Sometimes we can be tempted by fear to pray for bad things for other people. Or we can want retribution. We want revenge. And so we can want to pray for revenge. But in Luke 19, our scripture reading this morning, Jesus granted Zacchaeus salvation. Zacchaeus was hated. Hated by his fellow Jews because he was very rich and he got rich by being a tax collector and he was hated for this. And it was in God's mercy and grace for Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I must come to your house. I must come to your house. God wanted to grant Zacchaeus salvation and yet he was hated. Hated by his fellow Jews. So what is our reaction to be as we live in this world that is full of violence, full of terror? I, I urge each and every one of us to be praying for those who persecute Christians. Pray for them. Pray for those who hate you. We're told to do that. Pray for the enemies of Christ. Pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, we, we watch the evening news. We see the headlines. And we get caught up in fear. We can get angry. We can become vengeful. But, Lord, we want to pray for those that do not know you. It can be our neighbor. It can be an ISIS terrorist. But we want to pray for those who do not know you, Lord. Pray that you would grant them, by your grace and your mercy, you would grant them salvation. Lord, you've told us you're not willing that any should perish. You told us to pray for our enemies. And, Lord, they're not only our enemies, they're your enemies. And we want to see you turn hearts around. We want to see you save the lost. We want to see you redeem lives, Lord. And yet we live in a world where so much emphasis is put on violence. And, Lord, you told us you're the Prince of Peace. So, Lord, do a good work, not only by bringing people to know you, but do a good work in our heart. Cause us to be your disciples, ones that are praying for our enemies, loving those who persecute us. Turn our hearts around, Lord. We pray and ask this in your name, Jesus. So.